morning, friends. It's a pleasure to get to share God's word with you this morning. My name is Ryan Ruffing. I'm the director of collegiate and young adult ministry here at the church, uh, at Church of the Cross. And uh, it's just wonderful to be able to share out of God's word uh, together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning because we need you. We know that we cannot bear fruit, we cannot be your people apart from your presence in our lives and your word to us. So God, we pray that you would speak, that you would help us, that you would give us strength and endurance during this time. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. In seasons of trial, God's word to us can sometimes feel distant and confusing. Like someone in grief who has difficulty hearing words of comfort, it may seem like Jesus is speaking to us from a great distance. When we do catch the odd word or two, we may think, I remember that meaning a great deal to me before, but I'm having a hard time now that so much has changed. Perhaps Jesus' words in our gospel reading today ring in just that way. He says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. How are we meant to bear fruit in this time of pandemic, Jesus? Most of us don't leave our houses except for basic needs, perhaps to stretch our legs or to buy food. We don't see many people in person. We speak to those we dearly love through screens. We cannot hug them or feed them at our tables. We cannot truly weep together or rejoice together. Bearing the fruit of God's coming kingdom, it feels like a distant and wispy vision, something hard to grasp, something that we did once and will maybe do again. Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. It feels so hard to abide in you, Jesus. The means you have used so effectively in our lives to communicate your grace are unavailable or are radically different in this season participating in the full communal life of your body, attending worship with other Christians, studying the scriptures and praying with one another in person. What we experience now feels like approximation, like a poor forgery of a masterpiece painting. We know we are meant to abide in you in the life of prayer and contemplation in solitude, but that life can feel pushed out, perhaps by fear or anxiety, perhaps by the distraction of entertainment, or perhaps by the unwillingness to seek a spiritual solitude when social solitude hems us in. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. I'm sure we don't all, all experience precisely the same difficulties in hearing these words, but I know we are each struggling to know what it means to follow Jesus in this time. This morning, I want to wrestle with these words, to see Jesus' call in our life as big enough to include this time, to hear his voice, to say yes to the fruit that he wants to grow. Maybe not through the work of our feeble hands, but in new and uncharted depths of our hearts maybe not along the same paths where he has worked before, but in new rhythms of grace. We are, of course, in John 15, 1 through 17. I invite you to open your Bibles and search the scriptures along with me. 
We're going to investigate this invitation from Jesus to abide in him, to bear the fruit of love, and know the fullness of joy. We'll take each of those in turn, abiding in Jesus, bearing the fruit of love, and knowing the fullness of joy. As casual observers of these words, and as people who are formed by a culture deeply influenced by the narrative of productivity, it's easy to interpret this passage in a simplistic way. What is Jesus saying? Go and be fruitful. We don't take the time to notice that this command isn't actually in the passage. Fruitfulness is a crucial facet of the picture presented here, but the central injunction, the heartbeat of what Jesus is saying is abide. Abide in me, abide in my love, abide. The word translated here as abide means to remain or to stay, that is to not leave, but also to live, to dwell, indeed to abide. Jesus' word compels us to resist the temptation to depart from him, but also to sink into and steep in the richness of his person. Though it's expressed in the form of a command, these words are more truly an invitation and a life-changing invitation at that. To accept this invitation is a fundamental reorientation. My attention is taken away from what I accomplish and is directed toward where I dwell and to whom I belong. Abide in me says this, first, most importantly, before all else, live, move, dwell in my life, abide in me. If we're going to fully grasp this invitation, we need to know who it is that invites us. Here, Jesus identifies himself in this way. I am the true vine. This is the seventh and last of Jesus' great I am statements that punctuate the Gospel of John. Each of the statements speaks of Jesus' unceasing, unrelenting intention to give life and sustenance to the world. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Taken together, they communicate the absolutely unique place of Jesus within God's salvation work. His life is the only source of life. There is no other. If he is the bread of life, I need not look elsewhere for sustenance. If he is the light of the world, I do not need to try to kindle my own fire in a dark place. If he is the good shepherd, why do I lean on false and faltering guides? His care and provision are the care and provision of our heavenly father. I need not look elsewhere. The vine image communicates this in an especially powerful way. In the Old Testament, the image of the vine is repeatedly used to describe Israel, the chosen people of God. Israel's calling, spoken first to Abraham, was always to receive God's blessing and therefore to channel that blessing to all people. The vine is cared for by God's own hand, blessed in order that it might grow and provide blessing to all the nations of the earth. Isaiah, in our Old Testament reading this morning, laments the fact that this intention has gone awry. Israel is pictured as a vineyard, cared for by God, blessed. But then Isaiah says, God looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes, an inedible and unpleasant yield. 
That is to say, they were blessed but did not become a blessing. And why? Isaiah, throughout the prophecy, takes Israel to task for their idolatry. They had not believed that Yahweh was the one, the only source of life. They had not leaned on him alone, taken from him alone. They had chosen to abide elsewhere. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Where Israel as a whole failed, this one of Israel's line, this one descended from the King David, will succeed. He has come to be the source of blessing to the whole world. He desires to be the source of blessing to you in this time. And so he issues this invitation, abide in me. If we are to accept this invitation and know the true blessing intended, we must grasp that to abide in Jesus is to abide nowhere else. Our idolatry works on us in different ways during times of pleasure and times of pain. When things are going our way, the voice of our idols often blends into the background. They are most effective in lulling us to sleep if we believe that they aren't actually there. But in times of difficulty and pain, like this time, they are often shouting at us, I am what you need. I will make you feel okay. I can soothe your fear, erase your boredom. I can make it all go away. Abide in me. I know that, they have been, you, that you have been hearing their voices during this time. Their promises are empty. Resist them. Abide in Jesus alone. He is the bread of life who will feed you with his own flesh. He is the way, the truth, and the life who will guide you away from the rocks. He is the good shepherd who will lift you into his arms when you are weary. He is the true vine who will cause the deepest, richest blessing to flow through himself to you. Indeed, this is Jesus, whose body was opened on the cross, whose blood flows out to each one of us, even now. His presence does not observe the boundaries of pandemic. He is ready to abide in you, if you will abide in him. I encourage you in this time to seek him in the scriptures, to seek him in prayer, bringing the full weight of your sorrows, the full span of your hopes, to not hold back. So we see that the one who invites us is in fact the one who can give help. His invitation is not empty, but rather an invitation to real, true blessing. We need only seek him and him alone. The blessing, however, is not just meant for us, and this brings us to our second consideration. We've seen who it is that issues this invitation, and now I want to consider the outcome of accepting his invitation to abide. Jesus is adamant, whereas Israel experienced blessing but did not become a blessing, it will be different with those who are blessed and abide in him. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. In this season, I think there are two things we need to know about the fruit we're meant to bear, two of its qualities we should consider. 
The first quality is this. It is the fruit of love. Here, Jesus is clear. The fruit we're meant to bear is marked, is defined by love for one another, a love we have learned first from his love for us. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Friends, I think that this is incredibly good news for us in this time. Jesus is not saying, you are marked as my disciples by the fruit of important public actions, or of the fruit of serious productivity, or even the fruit of impact on others' lives. Now, these are not bad things in themselves, and they can be things we aspire to and hope for, but in a season like this, when we are literally shut out from these, we can hear Jesus' words as a comfort and encouragement. Whatever you do, however great or small, however seemingly insignificant, if it is done with the deep and powerful love that has coursed from my veins into your once dead heart that now beats again, that I call good fruit. What would it look like if this time of pandemic were a time of steeping in the love of Jesus and seeking to show that love to those directly around you? Perhaps that's your direct family members or housemates, those you are sharing this season of isolation with day by day. I know this may be a challenging word to hear. It's difficult time in this way. It's been said that those closest to you can be the hardest to love. And in this season of isolation, it can feel like those that are close are that much closer, even uncomfortably close. What would it mean to commit to loving them, even when you're stir-crazy or wearied? Or perhaps God is calling you to care for a particular person in our community or in your friend or work network. Maybe the simple act of love is just reaching out to ask, how are you handling all this? Or to send a note letting them know that you care that you have concern for them. What would it mean for us as Jesus branches, branches of the vine, to bear the fruit of the small but profound acts of love during this time? I know that some of you will hear this as an encouragement, but some may hear it as a heavy word. We may say, I am already wearied with this time, exhausted by it. How can I think of loving someone else? I am so tired. If that describes you, know that Jesus' first word to you, his most foundational word is this, abide in my love. My love is for you, here, present, as close as your own breath. It is not exhausted by this time. It is never wasted or spent. It is rich food. You. Each of you is deeply cared for, attended to, watched over and protected. Jesus loves you with the love of the one who made you. He loves you with the love of the one who seeks you when you run and holds you when you have plumbed the depths of despair. You are precious to him and there is nothing he would not give to show that love to you. Jesus says this to you now, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. 
he gives his love freely to you and says, abide in my love. If we do not first abide, we cannot bear. Abide in my love and bear the fruit of my love. So this is the first quality of the fruit we're meant to bear. It's marked by the self-sacrificing love of Jesus because it is his love that moves in our veins. The second quality of this fruit is that it is seasonal. Integral to the vine metaphor is this. There is a season when the fruit is growing and harvested and a season of dormancy when the vine appears barren. This would have been obvious to Jesus' original listeners, immersed as they were in an agricultural society. What's so important to see here is that while the vine may appear barren in the winter season of dormancy, it is far from an unproductive time in the vineyard. In fact, it is in, the, it is in this season when the stage is set and the most important work is done to provide for the coming season of fruitfulness. The quality and abundance of the upcoming vintage can't be fully ensured in this time, but it can certainly be lost. Two things are going on in the vineyard during this season. The first is that roots are continuing to grow. Though there is no new growth on the vine visible to us, the roots of the vine are extending downward to find new water and nutrient resources. Some of these nutrient resources will be stored and ready to use as the frontline surge of the spring growth. The second thing that is happening is pruning. While pruning also happens during the growing season, the most important pruning that occurs is dormant pruning. In fact, dormant pruning is considered by some viticulturalists to be the single most important thing that happens in the, in the vineyard throughout the entire year. This is because in the dormant season, the vine dresser is able to make more drastic cuts, both to allow greater growth and also to root out the full extent of any infection that may exist in the branches. The importance of each of these is vital for us. Jesus, our vine, sends out our roots, grows them deeper in this season, and gathers to us the richest resources, everything that we need to be sustained. Resources that we may only use fully in a future season of fruitfulness. Perhaps he is stocking our cellars, so we will have everything we need for the journey in the days ahead. Pruning is also happening in this time. Jesus says, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. It's important here to distinguish what I'm calling a season of dormancy or rest or Sabbath, if you will, and what Jesus here refers to as unfruitfulness. If we do not abide in Jesus, if we do not remain or stay in him, but decide to depart, we will not bear fruit. The danger and warning are stark. The Father will remove this branch. The warning should not cause us to be afraid, but it should sober us. Abiding, remaining in Jesus is serious, a matter of life and death. In contrast, the season of dormancy is not totally devoid of the fruit of love, though it may be lessened or look different in this season. And it is certainly not a season devoid of abiding. It is in this season that we experience pruning.
Throughout this season of social isolation, I've been convicted that God is capable of doing a great work. I believe that work is happening in each of us and in our community. He is cutting back our pride and our impatience, our idolization of productivity and effectiveness. He is rooting out the infections of anger and fear, of greed and lust. Pruning is always painful to be sure, but we are in the hands of our Father, whose love for us is complete, whose pruning cuts are the wounds of love. He loves you more than to let your branch rot from infection. He loves you more than to deprive you of the joy of the fruitfulness that he intends for you. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Church family, the one who invites you to abide in him, the one who longs to see your fruitfulness, this is in the forefront of his mind. This is his every thought, that his joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is the promise to those who accept Jesus' invitation to abide, to bear fruit, and to know the fullness of joy, that you will know joy, that your joy will be full. In good times and in the time of trial, he does not promise that it will always be pleasant. Pruning is necessary and good, but not easy. Times of trouble are painful, but real, deep, abiding joy will be possible in all seasons. Many summers ago now, Libby and I hatched the ambitious plan to ride 300 miles in a week down the mountainous California coast, carrying on our bikes all the food, camping equipment, and clothing we would need. On our first night, we arrived exhausted into the state park at Half Moon Bay, south of San Francisco. We pitched tents in the dark and fell asleep hard. The next morning, I woke up in the gray dawn and walked along the paths of the camp. Surrounded by the low dune shrubbery, small rabbits scurried back and forth across my path. I sunk my toes into sand and was soon facing off with the great Pacific. I was alone, the beach stretching out on either side, the immensity grand and majestic washing over my spirit. The season of life leading up to this moment for me had had its struggles. It had been defined by a feeling of being overstretched, sometimes confused about my direction and often in need of pruning. Here at Half Moon Bay, those struggles were brought into focus and taken up in the greatness of God's goodness. Suddenly, in that moment, I was abiding again in God's pleasure. I felt welling up in me a deep gratitude, the spiritual feeling of love and glory. I am small and God is great. I began to sing. This is my father's world. And to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This 
is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. That though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. As I sang, I felt joy, joy abundant, joy welling up and overflowing within me. I walked for I don't know how long, breathing in and basking in that joy. When we touch joy, our instinct is always what mine was in that moment. I wanted to stay, to remain there as long as I could. I longed to continue to abide in my father's joy. Hear this good news. The great king of heaven, who washes over you with a love so radical, invites you to sit in that love, to bear fruit, and to know true joy. Not a joy attached or dependent on temporal experience, but connected to the very being and presence of God. A joy you can sit in, can steep in, can dwell in throughout every trial of life and on into eternity. There is no place of isolation or sorrow where it cannot reach you. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is calling to you. He invites you to abide in himself. Abide in his love. Bear the fruit of that love and know the fullness of joy. He invites you even now. Let's pray together. Father Almighty, we believe that you are here in this season. Father, help us to abide in Jesus and to know your love. Help us to endure the pruning that you have for us in this time. Help us to rise to your call to love those around us. Lord, give us hearts that well up with your love, that know your love in an intimate way and are able to extend that love to others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.